0: Love, talk, radio. Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now, your host, Les Jensen.
1: Hello and welcome to the show tonight. I'm so glad you chose to join us. Uh, I think we're going to have a delightful conversation. The topic tonight is turning times of crisis into transformation. And our guest tonight is Stefan Dynan. We're going to bring him on in just a minute. But I want to talk about the whole notion of transformation. The topic tonight, turning times of crisis into transformation. There's been a... a a reference to the notion of, quote, normal, unquote, on social media, where um, to go back to normal, I mean, so many people have had their their personal life turned on its head. They're working from home. They don't have the interaction or the the social interaction that they're used to. And uh, in a lot of ways, they've become isolated. And Uh, I know here in Colorado, people, uh, I think there was a cafe that opened up against uh, against the regulations, and it was totally packed. I mean, it was quite obvious people were hungry to get back to normal. And the notion of normal is the opposite of transformation, because normal by its very nature means more of the same. So... When we have an opportunity to look at the future, to look at these next chapters of our human um, story, our, our human narrative, it, it's the individual human being that I suggest is the power point of the transformation of the collective. There's no one big knob that dictates the the destiny of humanity overall, it's, it's billions of individual personas making individual choices. It's billions of people that make individual transformations that will move the, the collective storyline into a more authentic, a more genuine idea of what life can look like for humanity on this planet. And that's what I really like about this show tonight is, is the experience that our guest has, Stefan has, with uh, bringing that into fruition, with bringing that, um, the, the transformation of, of our human condition into uh, an actual transformation of, of flesh and bones, um, change of, of our human condition. So uh, I think it's time we can get right to it. Again, the topic is turning times of crisis into transformation. Our guest, Stefan Dynan, um, is going to explore the spiritual opportunities or gifts that are hidden within apparent tragedies. How might things we resist? actually help us evolve us and our society to the next level. He has been at the forefront of the consciousness movement for the last decade as the CEO of the Shift Network, which serves one million people in countries around the world with programs featuring more than 1,500 of today's thought leaders. He's worked for the SLN Institute, the Institute of Noetic Sciences, and is the best-selling author of *Sacred America*, *Sacred World*. Please join me in welcoming Stefan to the show. Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Les, for inviting me.
1: What a what a powerful topic. Turning times of crisis, which. Um, many people would describe what humanity is going through in these last few weeks and months as a, a global crisis of sorts and, and how, to, how to use that as a, a fulcrum or a leverage point to actually bring, about, bring around transformation of our condition. What uh, inspired you to choose that topic?
0: Well, it's interesting. You know, I've been, I've had the strong sense for a good decade that 2020 was a key pivot point year for the planet. Uh, I actually did a PowerPoint called Vision 2020 before even launching the Shift Network, and the context of the Shift Network was set in the context of resetting the vision and trajectory of the planet. And so, I think there's, you know, there's the simple level of 2020 means perfect vision and so therefore it's a good time to reset the vision of where we're going and i think there's something deeper at work because there's lots of other people who had similar a similar sense that 2020 was a really important year that there was going to be a real kind of a fulcrum of growth for the planet none of none of us thought of a pandemic as as the catalyst for that um but it is kind of interesting and synchronistic that it that it's happened and what it's forced us to do is really to pull back from all the patterns that we think are just how reality is and to redo things, to how do we work together, how do we uh, socialize together, how do we do birthday parties together online, and there's an advantage sometimes of pulling ourselves out of our habitual everyday patterns to take stock, to open wider, to expand our vision, to to realign things and which is the whole principle of spiritual retreats through the through, through the millennia is that when we take a retreat from the world it allows us to see things differently and open to new possibilities and if we take this experience in the right way collectively and I, and I don't think it's guaranteed that we will but I but I'm hopeful that we will is it we won't just try to immediately go back to the old patterns and I think we're going to probably get burned by trying to do that right now and reopening too quickly and reestablishing too many of the old old norms too quickly but I think what's going to happen is that increasingly we're going to see this is this is a reset moment uh, I, I just I read an article recently about how Pakistan uh, has had a, a goal of planting 10 billion trees to avert climate change And they're now hiring all these unemployed people to start planting trees. I thought it was a great example of exactly what we need to do, which is to actually realign what we're working on with the greater good of creating a civilization that is peaceful, that is sustainable, that works for all. We've, we've pulled back from global conflicts. We've uh, essentially put a, a freeze on a lot of the wars that have plagued humanity. And I, I'm hopeful that we're going to like that. And so we're actually building a, a huge event online called the Shift Festival that will have visionaries in every sector of society focused on what do we need to shift and how do we do it, what's the game plan moving forward talking with um, our director of peace at the shift network about creating a, a world peace plan that we launch on the on the international day of peace september 21st and really go forward with that with you know high production value media that has like different sectors of society what are the things we need to shift over the next five to ten years that really allow us to create a peaceful planet in parallel how do how do we do that in sustainability how do we restructure finance there's a former i was talking with the former uh, first lady of Oregon about her game plan for greening the economy and realigning the economy coming out of the shutdown there's a lot of different people with, with very cool visions and we have an opportunity if we if we see it as an opportunity and not just something that is Oppressing us. That it's a horrible thing that we have to go through. Yes, there's suffering, and yes, there's death, and yes, there's loss, and that is tough to face. And there have, we have to have compassion and empathy for people who are going through, a particularly, you know, economic dislocation or physical challenges and loss in their family. We have that's a, that's a prerequisite. We can't just you know just only focus on the positive opportunities. But if we neglect the positive opportunities, then we're more likely to feel like. We're simply the victims of this circumstance, that it's just uh, nothing but a tragedy. It's nothing but backward momentum, nothing but a loss. And I think that actually suppresses our creativity. It suppresses our initiative. It, express, it actually suppresses our spirit. Our spirit takes wing when we are see, the, see that we can fulfill something brighter, more beautiful with our lives. And so even in this shutdown period, if we orient in that way, we will be healthier, we will be happier, and we will be more creatively engaged in this work of redesigning our individual lives and ultimately our society. So that's part of why, part of why I think that that core mindset of seeing this as, as an opportunity is so central, even while we presence the, and, and are empathetic and work to support people who are going through particularly tough versions of, the, of this shutdown.
1: Right. Well, I like the the notion of a reset or a retreat. You know, it, it reminds me of uh, in 2013 um, in Boulder, Colorado, we had 21 inches of rainfall in just a few days. And it was flooding. It, and, and the reason I bring it up is this, um, Mother Nature, if you will, or this um, this crisis or event, and, and for several days, it rained and rained and rained, and before that crisis, everybody had their own agenda, their own priorities, and they were all moving asynchronously with each other, and then that rain came, and Metaphorically, it's like it pushed us all into one thought, one kind of pool of concern. When is this flipping water going to ever stop? And all of our agendas kind of collapsed, and we had we had a unified concern, we had a unified um, paradigm, if you will. And then and then it quit raining, and. I, I really tried to pay attention to the effect, and the it was really kind of odd because the peace, the peace of the people. The, the day after the the rain stopped, I walked completely across town, and there's people in their driveway with soaked wedding dresses and and um, memories that are soggy and and mud and and whatnot. Nobody was hysterical. Nobody was um, over the top. But everybody had a um, kind of a, it's like we all took that first step after the storm together. All of society Mm -hmm. was in step with those first few steps after that event. And, And this event seems like it's going to have a kind of a similar thing where we all, Check in with ourselves and say, "Well, now wait a minute. (laughs) Let's not just rush rush back into the old paradigm." Um, So I and I also liked what you said about the uh, the intention of peace of of taking Mm -hmm. um, launching a campaign for peace in September. It's that intentional. creative impulse, I want to have the element of peace in in the human story, Mm -hmm. therefore, I'm going to intentionally create a vehicle, uh, a container of peace, and it seems like your uh, shift network has some really core values that that create a vehicle to bring them into manifestation. can you give us a, an idea of the uh, uh, founding principles of the Shift Network?
0: Well, the idea for the Shift Network really emerged in a meditation retreat in the year 2000. Um, I just opened up to this vision and came in over three days in a very powerful way of a global media network that would be linking people to in growth and transformation around the world and eventually having local hubs, so a, a real network of um, – of awakening and and healing and transformation, it took ten years of you know a couple of different attempts and building networks and allies to finally get it off the ground. And in the ten years since, we've we've grown to have over three million part people participate in, in in a free event online. We've had um, you know three thousand thought leaders we've featured in every major domain of society. We've built a, a world peace library and trained peace ambassadors and. Uh, you know, sold tens and tens of thousands of programs, and had many summits on all the different areas of our of our society that how how we can evolve them. So we're really uh, seeking to model an enlightened business that's focused on personal growth and transformation, and how that leads to a better world. And so, we have uh, really done our best to find the wisdom leaders and pioneers from around the world, the people who are really moving the needle, who are shifting different sectors of society, who are offering uh, paths paths and methods of transformation and growth from, from really around the world. And so we're very pleased to have grown in the last 10 years to where we are, and, and we know there's a lot more to do. So we, we're, our goal is to touch and, and mobilize and empower 100 million people in the next five years and really scale our media efforts and grow a shift university to do that. A real global university. So that brings us to this this kind of moment on the on the earth is I believe that we are in this on this cusp of a shift of paradigm, a shift of which is ultimately shifted in consciousness, and that is what's required for us to go to the next level. We have to shift from our local or regional or national identities, our tribal identities, into really seeing ourselves as one global family. And as we do that, we Bake the principle of peace into the DNA of the world. We have 400, um, you know, 400 billion dollars spent in the U.S. There's, there's, a, I think it's 1.8 trillion globally now that are spent on the mechanisms of war er, and defense every year. That would that be easily even half of that would easily wipe out hunger and get clean water to everybody and much of the disease and you know education for girls worldwide. M- many of the the deepest things that we need to do are doable if we redirect resources and that we refocus our creative energy less on defending against each other or consuming at 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 a extreme rate and really refocus that on on, not on material goods but on our growth in consciousness our growth in creativity our growth in our creative expression and so when we do that, that frees up more resources, we can live more sustainably, we can live in a more holistic and whole way. Um, and that's that's really, a, it's, it's, it's a deep shift of consciousness and culture that's going on. And I think we're going to look back at this time as that epical moment, um, you know, from the broad angle, it's not just one moment, but it's, it's years, it's maybe a decade, where we turn the pattern of human civilization from you know, unhealthy warring nation states into, like, one healthy, thriving global civilization that has many cultures and nations that are part of it, but that ultimately is more unified. And so I think that this this 2020 moment of, you know, pandemic is giving us a collective challenge on a scale we've never had a collective challenge. Even the Great World Wars didn't involve all of humanity. The coronavirus situation is is a shared threat to all humanity, and it's a shared threat to our elders, to those who are more immune-compromised, it's a, a shared threat even to our children, there's more evidence around, so it's 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 basically unifying us in having to solve a collective challenge. Now, most of what we've done so far are kind of local efforts, different nations have Done their thing, their states or or cities, and it's it's a little bit of a patchwork quilt. And I think that ultimately, for us to come out the other side of this, it requires a level of kind of unifying humanity uh, and working together in an optimal way. And that that a unified solution is what will take us through it to the other side. And then we'll also build our muscle for how we can work together more effectively on some of these shared threats and shared shared issues that we face.
1: boy, I like that it's uh, It's easy for the media to convince us that um, harmony amongst humans is difficult. The media will show us conflict and and challenges, so to speak, but if you take a step back humanity interacts by the millions by the billions every day like traffic simple payment lines on the road and simple agreed upon tactics allow billions of miles to be driven every day with no issue and it when we think about the unification of humanity it it's I think it's a, it's much closer than we think we all breathe the same air we all we all have a desire to live um and and from that fundamental um common ground, if you will, it's almost like we need a a a global symbol of unification like a wave since we can't shake hands or put mm-hmm. our hands over our hearts in, in and nice. Just a, it's a nice image because to it say helps I lead. see you. I, I see you to to bring that unification together. I, I, I like that. Um, so, in your shift network, you've um, you've had these uh, these thought leaders, and and you've made these um, courses available. Have you seen a, a shift in what? Humanity is desiring to learn about? I mean, you kind of swim in that pond as far as providing resources. Have you seen a shift in what humanity is interested in understanding now?
0: I think we go through different waves. Uh, I, I think as we're moving into this phase of harvesting the wisdom of, of the world and making it accessible and practical in our lives, uh, and not just from our tradition, whatever tradition we're raised in, if we we're raised Christian or Jewish or Buddhist or whatever it is, it's like we tend to have gotten part of that wisdom inheritance. And I think we're now we're in a phase where we're getting access to more of it. And there's a natural way in which people start to explore and get curious about other traditions, other wisdom systems. And I think that it's going through waves. There was an initial wave of particular interest in the East, you know, where it's like we romanticize everything coming out of India and that led to yoga and the waves of yoga and in the, in the coming through and Buddhism and Buddhist practice. And those have, you know, become much more mainstream now. Everywhere you go, there's a yoga studio and Buddhist mindfulness groups are all over the place and in corporate boardrooms. And I think that that some of the next waves that are coming or are, are surging have to do with energy medicine, as an example. So it's like really integrating... The energetics of, of your body and your and your emotions and your and your soul really and how you are healing disease and optimizing your health. So energy medicine is a big area that draws from things like Ayurveda and, and, and Chinese medicine and herbalism. Shamanism is a big area because we've um, you know we have a we have a long history of oppression of the indigenous peoples of the world and they're. Wisdom traditions were, in many ways, designed for a simpler era where it we're more tribal era, but they had deep, deep roots in respect for the for the natural world and the environment and for the community. Really living in a sacred way, and that's part of what we need to do. That's some part of the medicine we need to to take right now as a collective to not just consume our, on top of the planet, but to live in harmony with the planet and the limits of the biosphere. And so a lot of indigenous wisdom and shamanic wisdom is coming to the foregrounds. So we have a lot, of very, a lot of people are really interested in that. We also have a lot of interest in practices like Qigong, which are having demonstrated efficacy on creating health and well-being and, and overall um, just resilience and longer lives so that's that we've had qigong summits that have been really successful sound healing is now a big interesting practice around the world as we understand the power of how vibration shifts our consciousness and our bodies and so that's been a another big growing area and it connects to things like devotional singing and kirtan and um how sound and music can evolve us and help us to live at a higher vibration now you know it's no mystery we've had Songs have been at the heart of spiritual practice from gospel singing to you know to medieval choirs but it's um, we're now understanding the science of it more and how that actually literally shifts the shifts us on a cellular level so I, I kind of see these things happening in waves like there's a wave of interest in different areas another another area that I think is really coming to the foreground is the whole field of somatics and somatic movement we're, we're learning not just to be transcendental in our spirituality to try to transcend into higher mind or higher consciousness but we're learning to embody that in our flesh and bones in a deeper way so there we just had a somatic movement summit that was really um, very powerful and had you know 60 to 70,000 people participate globally so I think that that's another area where there's a, a kind of a grounding of our spiritual knowledge into our body and that helps us then to embody that in our society, in our businesses, in our politics. Even I was talking with a woman who's running for senate in um, in uh, Maine, and she's totally, totally applying spiritual principles to how she's running for senate in Maine. And I think that that's part of where that's where the rubber meets the road. Can we be uh, can we be bodhisattvas or spiritual beings who are? in the marketplace, and running businesses, and creating churches, and evolving our schools, and and healing our politics. It's not just about being in retreat and on a mountaintop now. It's really about making the world a reflection of our higher consciousness and our higher values now.
1: Wow, I like that. You know, the... When I look at your bio, um, it looks like you were um, moving in this direction. I, I don't. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like um, the Institute of Noetic Sciences, we've had Dean Radin on the shows many times. Um, when you look at your life path, um, did did you see um, unexpected chapters of your life? like as you as you um went through your as you evolved yourself i guess i would say um what brought you to being the ceo of the shift network
0: hmm. well i think that our our natural impulses often pull us towards things that are part of a larger design than we understand at the time. So, you know, I first was very enchanted with science and I was not into spirituality at all, then I got interested in spirituality and got on a path and did meditation and started to explore transpersonal psychology and breath work and, and then I got into Jungian psychology and Aikido and and I just kind of like kept going from thing to thing. And you might say, well he was just kind of dabbling in all these different things and On a certain level, I was, but I was genuinely curious about how each method could grow us. Uh, What is Vipassana and how does that work? And so I sat a bunch of Vipassana retreats. And really through my 20s and into early 30s, I really spent a lot of time studying, practicing within different lineages. And at the time, I didn't really have any sense that I was going to eventually lead a company that would integrate a lot of these things into one platform and um, a larger uh, kind of field, if you will. But but in a way, my soul was guiding me to do the things that would give me uh, an appreciation for the power in a lot of different traditions. And so I kind of grew into this, like, curious explorer-seeker, harvesting, you know, tasting the different wisdom from the world. I'd take a Kabbalah class, and then I would, you know, engage with kirtan practice and You know, a little bit of a spiritual mutt, even though I was raised Christian, and even coming back around to Christianity and understanding the mystical currents in Christianity was really significant for me. So, So I think it was a kind of a natural curiosity that just kept leading me in these different directions, and then it became evident once I got the strong vision that I needed to launch the Shift Network that I had been preparing myself for that role Subconsciously, It's like my soul knew that that's what I was here to do and was just kind of letting me grow up, you know, explore, grow, you know, get some different life lessons. And then ultimately, you know, even, the, even some of the failures that, that fed into, you know, trying to get it off the ground initially were, were essential. I think that's another um, piece of how to turn crisis into a, an opportunity for growth is if is if you start from the assumption that even a failure is preparing you for what you're ultimately here to do so you know so there's a humbling that happens there's a receptivity to more knowledge there's an opening to uh, to to new kinds of growth when, when we go through a failure I had, I had a first marriage that that um, that ended very painfully, and uh, and that really catalyzed my spiritual opening, and ultimately I think contributed to the path that I'm on. But it took a you know a year of metabolizing that before I was I could really harvest much wisdom from it. But if we take that same principle and apply it at whatever circumstance, and we assume, if we assume that life is working for us rather than against us, and that the circumstances that we are drawn into um, are a ripe practice ground for our next highest expression. We just orient to it. There's less differently where there's less friction. There's, we're not resistant. We're not playing the victim. We're saying, okay, how is it, what is this going to, how is this going to grow me? So applying that to the coronavirus, I know people have some really tough circumstances right now. It's like with the pandemic, it's like, okay, so you've got your kids at home and they're, and they're driving you a bit bonkers. Um, what what could be the gift in this? How could how could you approach it in a way that builds your capacity? Sometimes it might be building your patience, building your capacity to hold center in the storm. How to um, sometimes it's just building your capacity to endure things. But it can strengthen your family bonds. It can bring you closer together, having faced a difficult circumstance together. And if you orient our consciousness to what the blessing or opportunity is. We, we we squander less of our life life force in the process.
1: Right. So, you you've been able to step back and look at the thread of your life, and and you've gone through all these modalities of sorts, and through hindsight, you you see how every one of them has contributed to your arrival of where you are today, the CEO of the shift network so if if i'm a listener and i'm um stuck at home with this corona thing um what kind of uh suggestions can you give the listener as far as finding a, a deeper thread a deeper meaning perhaps of uh, some of their own life journeys and 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 yeah. and how that would reflect on what their next steps are, the 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 next chapter of their lives.
0: I think I think it's good to reflect on what are the dreams that have pulled us for a long time, and it doesn't always have to be noble philanthropic dreams. It could be, you know, living in a a dream house or something like that. Where where there's things, if if this is a time of letting go of a certain pattern of being in our world a certain kind of economy a certain way of relating to other people what is the deeper dream that wants to emerge through each of us and looking back at your history if you if you start from the assumption that you are you are being prepared for your next greatest contribution not by just some external source but literally your deepest part of your being your soul is guiding you towards those things that will grow you into the person you can you it's like the noblest, highest expression of yourself. What have the last decades been preparing you for? And how can this moment of pulling back actually catalyze that? It might be that you're here to launch a special business or a program that that is about healing other people or a um I, I'm I'm mentoring a number of people through a mentorship program right now and they are all being forced to go to a next level of their work, whether it's an energy healing school that is now transitioning to being online and learning how to do online marketing to another person who overcame um, overcame some pretty extreme uh, brain trauma growing up and was thought he would never be able to walk. And now he's, he's working with uh, other people who are, Struggling with that, particularly in this coronavirus time, and so there's there's a way in which, if if you take away the limiting belief that you don't have enough money, you don't have enough time, you don't have enough uh, allies or access, if you don't have a stu- if you don't have the story that there's something outside of yourself that makes it impossible to live your dreams, and really give yourself the space to to vision into it what is it to play with it to feel into it to taste it to make it granular and also make it personal so it's not it's like if you, if you were if it's about growing a new business it's really going to serve the world in a new way what does your personal lifestyle look like as part of that i think that's part of visioning is to is to design the design the, the outer structure but also what's the inner feeling do you work less and have more impact, as an example. I encourage people that I mentor to really think along those lines. And a lot of times people have a vision for big service that also involves a lot of time, being able to nourish themselves, to do creative writing, to be with family. And we have cultural conditioning and programming that says, oh, if you have a big vision, you have to work 60, 70-hour work weeks. I think that's actually counterproductive because then our individual self undermines our big vision. So, so what I like to do is, like, in this time is, like, say, let yourself dream bigger. Let yourself be bolder. And don't have to figure out all the pathways how to get there, but the first step is simply to let your vision expand, to open the aperture of the possible. And as you do that, that allows you then to begin to receive what are the next steps and to see what are the next steps and, and to also connect with who are the people because that's another part of it is once you start to get a vision of where you're going, then you have to populate it with people and support and teams oftentimes because the other thing that undermines people is that they have, if they have a bigger vision, they, they, they realize they don't personally have enough of the know-how to do it But you don't have to, if you're holding the vision of what's possible, you can call in other people who are your teammates and and collaborators to support you in different pieces. So that's part of the trick of entrepreneurship is you're always replacing yourself and, and infilling beneath a vision with people who have more skill in different areas than you. And so you're always trying to go – so my job at the Shift Network, we have a team of about 70 now. Is like I'm always helping to take the vision to the next level and tag things off as quickly as I can to people who are more skilled uh, in different areas. And, I, you know, I get more and more focused on the things that I'm best at and other people can take on the things that they're best at. And that's really it's, it's fairly simple in principle. It takes, it takes time to get the right elements in place. But, but, that's, but it begins back in consciousness, where you're letting yourself dream the audacious vision for yourself and for our collective. So, and I think they have to go together, because if your vision is, oh, we're collapsing, we're going backwards, we're becoming more authoritarian, people are becoming more tribal, we're gonna, uh, the, if you hold a primarily pessimistic view of the future, it's very difficult to activate your own personal higher vision within that. So I think they go together. It's like you, you hold the, at least possibility, if not probability that we are, that we can and will enact a much better future. And then that creates the space and you say, yes, I and I can make my highest contribution. And you, you let yourself feel that vision first, and then you start to put legs on it and timelines and what's the next step and what are the three things. But, but until you kind of let, let the sort of the fetters go of the old the old you. It's very hard to activate the new.
1: Well, I really like how you broke that down. Um, that was I, That was really good content right there. And also, I liked when you said that you stay grounded in your passion, in your expertise and hand off to others. Um, what doesn't resonate with you, but does resonate with them, and talking about sixty-hour weeks is creating a big vision. To to stay in the element that that we're happy with, that we're excited with, that we're passionate with, affords us to put in time and not be drained or or dragged out of our authenticity. So. Mm-hmm. So staying conscious of of your part, your element, your piece of the pie, and choosing that for yourself based on what you prefer, um, I can really see how that can help you stay grounded and authentic and, and passionate over a longer period of time, and you don't disconnect from um, what you prefer. I, I really like that. So, there's uh, – go ahead.
0: Yeah, I was, uh, one thing that I have found helpful is actually is is setting a a work week length that really allows you to feel good every week. That you're not just running yourself down over time, and that you got to take some time off. or You have to take a vacation. I think vacations are great, but I I, I kind of like the philosophy where each week you're you're recharging your batteries enough that you feel you feel great at the end of the week, and you're 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 not running yourself down, but you're actually building yourself up. And so for me, with um, two young daughters right now, I find that a 40-hour work week is about right. Um, some people, you know, that's too much. Some people, it's too little. But um, so I just, I, you know, I've got, we've got, we're producing programs every couple days. We've got you know, summits. We've got a big festival we're doing in the fall. We're doing a mobile app. We're doing a next-generation platform. I'm raising money. I'm doing all kinds of things. I'm mentoring other people. And so my 40 hours each week are very full, but I just, you know, I just work nine to five. And that, and that allows me to feel really pretty relaxed because I've got plenty of time to be with the family and make dinner and go for hikes and, and not burn myself out. And, so, and that translates into our leadership. So if, you're, if you are creating a field of stress and distress in your leadership, it's subtly repellent to other people. They don't want to be part of it because they don't. They feel that it's it's somehow dissonant or that it's not healthy. So I've learned over time that I had a propensity early on to to be an overworker and to put in too many hours and kind of burn out uh, over time. and And that really was counterproductive for me to to manifest the the vision I'm here to do. So it's another key piece is like this time is to deepen and your understanding of what it takes for your own self-care to optimize your health and well-being. Maybe that's getting, making sure you get eight hours of sleep. Maybe it's making sure you get at least a half an hour of exercise in every day. Eating, you know, experiment with eating. Do all these different things that, 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 that really sort of say dial in your self-care and get that baked into your schedule so that your work and your service in the world is coming from being fully fueled up. And by removing a lot of the distractions of life, like restaurants and social gatherings and travel and and shopping and all of that, it's like we have the opportunity to say, what really makes me tick? What really uh, keeps my pilot light burning? What really opens my vision? What leaves me excited at the end of each day? And the more we can pare away those things that detract, whether that's, you know trash t v or whether it's you know you know obsessive reading of of uh, internet articles it's that you pair those things away, and this out of the simplicity something much more natural, much more aligned and much more um, easy actually emerges
1: right well. Very nice. Well, time can go by pretty fast. Um I want to make sure the audience uh, knows about your platform, the book you you've written, your website. Can you can you give us a comprehensive outline of your platform and how the audience can engage it?
0: Yeah, for the Shift Network, it's just good to go to theshiftnetwork.com, get on our mailing list. We do send out quite you know quite a number of emails, but just participate in the things you feel called to because we all have a steady stream of free activities, uh, free events, lots of thought leaders, and we really do our best to bring the wisest people in the world to to a global audience. We also share more things on our Facebook page, um, Shift Network uh, Facebook page. On a personal level, I encourage people who like what I'm sharing to get my book, Sacred America, Sacred World. It goes into some terrain beyond what we've talked to today, but it really is about how does America evolve to the next level of our democracy. I wrote it in 2016 before the last election, and or completed it and toured with it. And uh, you know, and I really feel like I did a I did a good job of writing, creating a vision for America that's unifying. The people on the left and right can really come together around, and uh, I had people say, you know it's like I, I my brother and I couldn't talk anything around politics, and we both read your book and we both really enjoyed it and found resonance with it so I did that intentionally trying to tease out the deeper the deeper things that unite us and what what do we need to let go of and how do we evolve to the next level um, which is a more global level, which is a more conscious level, a more integrated level where we we really honor the needs of everyone but in a way that also respects um a lot of what we've inherited as well so that's that's a that's a book that i still really feel um great about the other thing that is uh on the horizon uh, that we're going to want to partner with and get people involved in is that i mentioned earlier is called the shift festival We are working on this for uh, September 18th to 21st, leading into the International Day of Peace. It's going to be a three-day conference leading into the sharing of all sorts of inspiring peace-building stories and game plans for shifting humanity. The, The focus is going to be how do we shift each area of our world, including ourselves. So there's the personal transformation. There's the... Uh, there's the collective transformation. How do we shift our our banking system, our agricultural systems, our uh, you know how do we shift deal with deal with climate change? How do we um, build a peaceful world? And so we're going to have some really we're going to have a multi, like probably at least 14 stages uh, on, in an online environment where are going to be parallel wisdom teacher pioneers visionaries who are helping to activate that and so you'll you'll hear more about it if you're just on our email list and um and then also if you want to read recent some of my recent articles um or just stay apprised of that there's stevendynan.com or I, I have a i have a blog at medium.com you can search search for uh, Stephen Dynan s t e p h e n dynan
1: Oh, wonderful. You know, it's quite evident to me the the compassion of your heart is kind of the root behind everything you've done, just for my observation. it's uh, You've really created a, a very vibrant and wonderful platform for the transformation of our human condition, and I applaud you for that. I want to thank you for being our guest tonight. I've I've really enjoyed this, this episode. Thank you.
0: Great. Well, thank you, Les. It's really been a pleasure.
1: We've been talking with Stefan Dinan, and the topic tonight has been turning times of crisis into transformation. It's uh, I suggest the, uh, the most powerful substance on the planet as it relates to our human condition is our own human consciousness. Our human consciousness is the birthplace of inspiration, the birthplace of uh, new ideas, new dreams. You have that human consciousness in you now. You are a vehicle of consciousness. You're a vehicle of, I guess you could say, source consciousness, uh, bringing effect into our human condition. Um, The notion that, Millions and billions of prayers have been prayed to the deities in the sky, to the gods and goddesses, to end the suffering on the planet, to end the wars, and yet here we are, century after century, with with a lot of human heartache. the The big guns, the 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 gods and goddesses, aren't going to descend from the heavens. And wave some magical wand and transform our human condition. It's going to be through flesh and bones. People like you and people like me. What I really liked about tonight's episode is the notion of the transformation of ourselves. When you consider yourself a human persona, a point of uh, a point of consciousness in the holographic consciousness of all that is, um, every one of us has the best seat in the house. We we each have our own best seat in the house. So often our our ego will look at what other people are doing, and, and we might long for that. We might desire it for ourselves. But before you were even born, your soul looked at the dynamic of what was going on on the planet. Your soul looked at... What was set up to transpire saw the whole dynamic of your lifetime and chose this lifetime you're living now. The life that you are living right now has rooted in it, at the core of it, a life purpose. You have a life purpose. You have a vision that was conjured up before you were even born about what you could fulfill, what you could manifest, what you could bring into fruition as the vehicle of the creator. And there's a a really deep sense of satisfaction that happens when your ego can learn to recognize that, Whatever the the chaos, the karmic tsunami that our eyes see, whatever our eyes show us, whatever our ego judges based on what we see, that's not that's not the good stuff. And yet our egos can spend the vast majority of our consciousness wringing our hands, fretting, worrying, watching TV reading social media, and staying in these um, karmic cyclic patterns of emotional reaction and, and mental habits. But if you can teach your ego to, to get clear about the, the value, the value that the ego will feel when it honors that life purpose, for myself, um, and Stephen shared how these uh, he got the vision for the Shift Network a decade before it was created. My soul is showing me these really, really big-ass visions for the next chapters of my life. And my ego has come to recognize that that's not to be um, discounted or ignored. In fact, that vision... Even though my ego thinks it's way over the top for who I am, I don't discount it. I know that my soul knew what it was doing when it lined up my life purpose. And so every single day I can feel a slice of heaven. Heaven and hell is a today, is a now experience. You'll never experience heaven or hell in the future because now doesn't exist in the future. Now it only exists now. So whether you're gonna live in heaven or whether you're gonna live in hell it is decided today, in this moment, in this moment. So when you take your life purpose and you start to get clarity with it by daydreaming about it, by opening your consciousness to it and letting a cleaner and clearer vision of what your life might be develop itself within your consciousness, develop a a clear idea of what the vision of your future will be, and then your ego honor that through actions on an everyday basis. When you take actions on that life purpose on an everyday basis, you have a deep sense of satisfaction today. Like um, when my – I'll give you an example – I was a broadcast television engineer, and I had no clue that I would be an author. Write a book, Les. My heart's told me, write a book. I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll write a book. But actually, I've written many books. Now, if I sit down and just write a chapter, if I write some of my next book today... I'm not finishing the book. I'm not reaching the, quote, finish line, unquote. I'm honoring my life purpose with intention and action. Today, my heart and my soul shift into a deep sense of satisfaction and gratitude. The core of my being shifts into a deep sense of satisfaction and gratitude. And that is the the birthplace of the sensation of heaven within my own persona. So when I feel satisfied at the end of the day at a heart and soul level, I'm, I have a very grateful life. I'm, I'm, it's my pleasure to fulfill this big-ass vision that I have no idea how it's going to happen. I'm delighted. I'm honored to walk in my shoes today. I'm not fulfilling anybody else's vision Other people's visions are not my concern. I'm here to be me. That's what I'm saying. You have the best seat in the entire planet. The best seat for you is your own seat now. When you hone your life vision and you embody it and fulfill it, that is the template of heaven on earth. That is the template of the human persona fulfilled. That is the divine idea of the human experience. No matter how chaotic the outside world can be, you can enjoy the experience of heaven today in, on, in this day, this day now, and tomorrow will become a now and the day after that will become a now and in that now you can feel a deep sense of joy and and wonder <laughs> and gratitude and 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 happiness and peace and love and once you've tasted that once the ego has tasted that it like it lets go the reins my passion was I was inspired to create the New Human Living Platform over a decade ago. And my, my um, life purpose is to uh, be of service to people so they can discover the immense personal power that is innate in each one of us. My, uh, I've told the story before of high-powered equipment television equipment, television transmitters. That's what my soul did to prepare me to language the power of the human persona. You have an endless source of power within your persona, and you can expand that portal. You can expand the aperture of your own personal power by working with your own personal energy persona, this energy dynamic, this energy collage that constitutes you. The, the power behind the human persona is the power of love. The, love is the root of all power. There's no power outside of love. Love is the root of... of the universe is not divided against itself. There's not two sources of, of source. There's only one source and that source consciousness, and the root of source consciousness is the root of love. I wrote a book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power. The New Age of Power, it teaches your ego how wonderful it can feel. It teaches your ego how wonderful your ego can feel if it lets go of the reins. It teaches your ego how to harmonize with the powerful persona of your soul. It teaches your ego how to complement your soul and allow the power of your soul to manifest without your ego becoming afraid. If the ego doesn't know if your ego doesn't understand how power feels moving through your persona, it can be afraid and shut it down. But if your ego can understand that when it feels the power of your soul flowing through you to not be afraid and to be grounded in in knowing that you're safe, that allows a much bigger expression of the power of your soul. It allows a much bigger expression of the power of your soul by teaching your ego how to be compatible with a powerful soul. I also wrote a book Forgiven sinner, God's last Savior, and that heals your relationship with God. If you grew up in a traditional religion and for decades of your life some authority said God's outside of you and God is powerful and, and you're a worshiper, God's powerful and you're a worshiper, God's powerful and you're a worshiper, you were never given a, a chance in hell at embodying the power of your own divinity. I already mentioned that God outside of us isn't going to show up to save our asses. God outside of us isn't going to do a damn thing that will over, overrule our free will. You've got to recognize that you are the personification of that God. You've got to heal that organized religion imprinting that says God is outside of you. Baloney. God is in, the kingdom of heaven is within. The Father and I are one. When you, when you heal the, the imprinting that you've been brought up with that is incongruent with the truth of you, you afford yourself the ability to embody a more powerful story, a more powerful dynamic of who you're going to be in this next chapter of our human story. Are you ready? <laughs> are you going to poke at it with a stick? You're going to, are you going to fully embrace it and embody it, and, and go through the transformation of your own self that'll afford you the, the the transformation that'll be needed in order for the power of your soul to fully express. Yeah, hey, I want to thank you as a listener. You showed up for yourself today. You showed up for this program, and I applaud you for that. That that tells me you're committed to transforming your own persona. I want to thank you. It's always a pleasure. Um, we're rounding 10 years here at New Human Living. We've got hundreds and hundreds of uh, radio shows just like this one in our archives. You can go to newhumanliving.com, sign up for the newsletter, and look through the uh, hundreds of shows online and grow who you are it's always a pleasure until next time I want to thank you for listening
0: this has been a New Human Living radio broadcast to bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open check out our host Les Jensen's latest book Citizen King The New Age of Power at newhumanliving.com thanks for listening